We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Wednesday night after the Timberwolves lost 128 to 108 to the Dallas Mavericks. Obviously, we are less than 24 hours away from the trade deadline, and it feels like this team kind of needs one. Um, I am joined tonight for this post game pod by Kyle Tige, the editor-in-chief of CanisHoopus.com. Kyle, you were at the game as well tonight. It was your first game this year that you've covered, and you didn't exactly get a great basketball performance from the Timberwolves. No. 128 (laughs) to 108. Um, They came out hot, but that kind of fizzled. Um, But as you... Uh, have let me invade your residence tonight uh, on the drive home. We were talking about, I kind of just got like all-star break vibes. I know that's not an excuse and I know I'm usually the optimistic guy, but uh, I just, I just, it was just weird vibes. Like it just kind of seemed like post game when you were listening to all the different quotes and stuff, a lot of guys were saying the same thing, like just on the uncertainty of where are they going to be tomorrow? Like who, who's paying or who's giving them checks starting tomorrow at three o'clock? Um, Wanto right, that that Hornets game was the the game right before. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Before the All Star break, where yep. I think they lost by thirty three, and and you're right, it was just like a really weird vibe. Yeah, amongst the, the the players after the game, and obviously just watching it too was, it just that that Hornets game felt like a game that the Wolves weren't in at all that they should have been. They were playing a Hornets team. I remember it was like their sixth game and eight nights or something for the Hornets and all on the road, and then they just blow out the Wolves. And 
tonight while the Wolves, they, they started off up 16 to three, just from there, it was a complete wreck. You know, right. it just, it, they didn't, they didn't feel competitive in this game. And, and you look at their roster and it almost felt to me like they couldn't be. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, tonight was weird. Cause I, so I'm watching all these games from home. Like you said, tonight was the first game this season that I've been on kind of at the arena. And, uh, Kyle lives in Portland, by the way. Yeah, and you just kind of get a vibe of... I mean, so when I, when I said that thing about the Hornets game in the All-Star break, like the Hornets are still well-coached and play good basketball. And the same with the Mavs. Like they're obviously well-coached. They came out they came out tonight like the Timberwolves always do, playing down their competition. But then the Mavs finally... I mean, Luka was like 0 for 7, I think, at the half. But, um, and he didn't even... I think he only finished with 15. But uh, they turned on that gear in the third corner, just put them away like a good team does. But... um. Just, yeah, just weird vibes, and you just kind of... I saw it for my first time tonight. I'm still optimistic. I still love following this team, but uh, you just realize the deficiencies, like, when you're in person. I'm sure you are, like, no one sees it more than you do night after night, but uh, you just saw the deficiencies, the youth, the lack of rebounding. I think tonight was, I think, credit to Alan Horton, but this was the 16th time in the last 18 games that they got out-rebounded, which is, you know, a stat. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and uh, Jalen Brunson, who, if you check on Google, is all of six foot one, led all players with eleven rebounds. So, like, that's just—is it a—is it a talent thing? I mean, we're talking about the trade deadline, so this is all about either change, new faces, flipping old pieces. Um, is it a talent thing? Is it a work ethic thing? Is it a mixture of both? But my overall take was just listen to post game stuff. A lot of guys that just. You know, they just kind of want to get through tomorrow. When, like Wancho said, when you're a bad team. You kind of just expect change, um, and I, I could I could see them falling flat on their asses tonight, getting through the trade deadline, seeing what happens, and then kind of giving a jolt again Friday Saturday, which is also against one of the worst teams in the league. But but that's just my two cents. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, I've been with you for a lot of this afternoon and evening, uh, but this morning I kind of came into the day uh, from the from the people I've talked to that things were just kind of like quieter on the, you know, the Timberwolves trade front as far as obviously they're being active, but um, you know, the moves, if they happen that are more likely to happen are, would be something on the fringe, you know, uh, a swapping out a Jake Lehman or a Jared Vanderbilt or, you know, something along those lines. And then kind of just in texting people into the, over the course of the day and into the evening, it, it really started to change. And then I thought that was really kind of stamped with the way all the players were talking after the game that big change is almost expected. And, and that that's hard for me because I don't, I don't have anything pinned down as to like what that is. I'm not saying like John Collins is coming or Aaron Gordon is coming or this and that, but there, there seems to be, a buzz around something like that happening in a way that there was a buzz around something like that happening a year ago with D'Angelo Russell. And I, I don't know what exactly that looks like, but in my experience of going through a couple of these trade deadlines like this or going through trade window periods, off-season window periods in the Gerson Rosas era, it's always been kind of where there's smoke, there's fire. And this just feels like a, a situation where I, I can't really picture what the fire is going to be but I do think that something very much is going on with this team right now. And the players in their play, I would say not just in this Dallas game, but in the Oklahoma city game as well, they just seem off in a way that they kind of kind of to your all-star point, 
they almost want to just get this behind them so they can go like, yo, let's go out with, these are our 15 guys. Let's play 15 games together. This is our team. But they, as they've gotten closer to this trade deadline, I think the noise that they hear, which is obviously much more informed than the noise you or I hear, has gotten louder and they're expecting change and it's made it difficult to be cohesive because they're playing like crap. They're playing discombobulated. Yeah, and, it, and it's crazy because, like, this is very privileged of me, but, like, I come back to cover a game. So you and I show up at the arena really early. We get to, you know, eat dinner with a lot of people um, that people know and see on TV and all this stuff and behind-the-scenes people and front-office people. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because, like, we're just sitting there for a couple hours, you and I just eating really terrible pizza and stuff. But, like, we're talking to people, right? Like, we're, like, we're talking – we're even hearing things from them. Like, that, you know, it's an organization. Like, I think sometimes you forget when you – have a favorite team or something that like it's it's no different than like target corporate or it's a, it's a company it's a business so we're just sitting there having dinner and we're talking to various people and we're hearing things but like think about the players like they're also hearing things like when they're at practice or you know in the mornings or when they're getting tested like they're hearing things or rumors or their agents like so for those guys that it actually involves and like you don't know like is this my last night sleeping in my bed like that type of stuff can I think that weighs on people, and I think during this season with COVID and all that stuff, it can be, even if you're the worst team in the league, which Wancho stated they are, uh, it can just be draining, and I think that's kind of what you saw tonight. I'm not saying that that's the reason, I mean, that they're going to all of a sudden go win 80% of their games going forward. They're a bad team, and I think that's what we're going to talk about tonight and going forward this weekend, but um, I think tonight that's what you just, you just saw a lifeless team, and I don't think I've seen a lifeless team since the All-Star break. Like, I, they've... Yeah. What before tonight they were three and three. They lost a couple games, but they had like a joy to them. Tonight they looked like like they looked like January, man. They looked like they, they looked, looked like they looked like a bunch of guys that were working on a Friday and were told they had to come in and work on a Saturday. Like you know what I mean? Like they just <laughs> yeah. they didn't have a lot of yeah, joy. Yeah. And it just it's very it's just a very bizarre vibe around this team right now because we're talking about hypothetical change in the way of a trade coming tomorrow um but there is also like for sure change coming in the way of d'angelo and malik coming back provided they're both on the roster um in you know in the coming days and and that it almost it almost feels like this little finch group that has played now 13 games post saunders predominantly without both Dilo and Malik. They've been this own team with their own little identity that first was really bad. You know, they lost those five games before the break, but then they kind of became fun and intriguing and exciting and joyful, to use your word. Um, and that group is going to die. It, it's it's done because not that it can't be joyful and, you know, hopefully it can go just as good as 3-10, and 10, you know, but, but it's going to change for one reason or the other because – New players are going to join the team, or D'Angelo and Malik are going to rejoin the team. That will change it. Yeah, and coming out of the All Star break, that let, let's call it that three and three group that you know won three games last year. Three and games. four, three and four, but still like about five hundred ball out coming out of the All Star break. That that little roster, that little squad was like a five hour energy though. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that's not a sustainable way to like live your life. And tonight you kind of saw it. Like I'm 
a huge Rubio guy. I, I, I enjoy all the players, but I'm a huge Rubio guy. But like tonight was one of those nights where it just really showed his deficiencies. Like, mm-hmm. can he really be the the big time 35 minute starting point guard for a team that's trying to build a sustainable model of excellence? I don't think so. Tonight was the f- really just picture perfect night where it's like this team just lacks talent, and I think that's kind of why we're. I mean, that's like this is a the topic of the night when you get into the trade deadline is you're trying to acquire talent. This team still lacks talent. Part of that, as you just said, is like Malik Beasley's suspension is now over. So if he's not traded tomorrow, he will be back. I think on Chris, Saturday. On Saturday. Yeah. Okay. So he has one more game. Yep. Okay. So he has one more game on Friday. Then he'll be back on Saturday. Um, but that's a, that's a jolt to the team. Like sure. I've liked talking about five hour energy. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, literally like, I, I've liked what Jalen Noel's done. I think tonight he had like the six double-digit scoring in seven, his last seven attempts, but he doesn't do what Malik does. Um, but as cool as it is to add that talent, I think some other guys too realize like, well, I'm going to lose minutes. You know what I mean? Or like mm-hmm. I, it's change is coming. Like you said, there's this hypothetical change that could come in the next, what, 12 to 14 hours whenever you listen to this. But then there's also like guaranteed change. Like Malik's coming to get 32 minutes a game. What does that do to Ant? You know, like D'Angelo Russell's coming back probably, what, maybe two weeks. Rubio knows that. So he's like, even if I do stay here, I'm going to go to the bench. So I just think there's a lot of upheaval, and that's what you expect with a team that has all these moving pieces. But, um, yeah, I just I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting, too, to your point about who, like, it's not sex. I don't think you could do a four-hour pod on Jake Lehman and Ed Davis trade value. <laughs> but I think it's important to remember that, like, what, how much, like $46 million is was just sitting on the bench tonight. And that's coming. Now, I don't know if those pieces are going to fit with this current lineup or how that's going to work. It might move into the summer, but... Well, I think that's what the players think too, Kyle. Like, I think they have gotten to the point where they have come to question how D'Angelo and Malik fit into this group. Uh, and And at the same time, they go, well, we can't get up here on our high horse and say, like, we don't... <laughs> We don't want them back because this group is losing a lot and everything too. But as indivi- it's going to impact every single one of them. Every single one. It's it's truly something I don't think I've ever seen. Like not even just covering a team for like five years, but I just can't really think of like the entire backcourt is not playing right now, mm-hmm. and then when they come back, they affect what you and I think, or you know, what what I think is like not the team's best player, but. I mean, it affects Carl, too, but, like, the story of what the last couple of weeks has been Ant. But mm-hmm. when those guys come back, like, he probably takes the biggest hit short term. So it's just kind of like these this wild downhill game of dominoes. It's like once they all come back, it's just going to be, you know, it'll just add to the weirdest team ever vibes that this team has had since they tipped off in December. Why do you think that there's a sense that it won't just fit and work? Because we're talking about this where this team is devoid of talent. They ant or cat drive to the basket. They start swinging the ball, and it passes to, you know, Layman or McDaniels or Culver or something, and they shoot a three, and it's just not going in very often. So to some extent, it's just like, well, man, wouldn't it be great if you just added two high 30s, 40% three-point shooters in place of those guys? Like, uh, to some extent, it's like that would fix a ton of problems to just – to just bring back two very talented players in an area where you're least talented shooting. 
but they also come with baggage in a way of doing so on extremely high usage. But I also want to like check myself on some of that because that is where my head goes. But isn't it just better to add two really good players to the mix and just kind of figure it out? Well, that's and that's where that's where my stance is. It's like I, I that's the question, right? Like when you bring these two guys back, does it work? And we don't have any sort of like sample size to really look at. We don't really have we haven't really seen this team play healthy all season, which is kind of all we can do for the rest of the year is like get those guys back and see. And then if it doesn't work, then you know, we're obviously past the trade deadline, but then this summer is not a blow it up again, but that's when you start to make your next big move. If you think like you've said since I've known you years back that like 2021, 2022 is the year that you flip the switch to like, hey, we have to we can't suck anymore. So yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it, it also comes down to, too, like, how many of these – you mix in youth, but then how many of these guys, like, they haven't seen D'Angelo Russell win. Or, you know what I mean? Like, they haven't seen Malik Beasley win. What is their faith Yeah, like that, what, that those guys will come back and it will lead to different results? I think they all think Beasley and Russell are talented. But it seems – the vibe seems to be that they question whether or not their reinsertion – will lead to more winning, which kind of, if that's true, whatever that's, if that's true, that's a, that's a questioning an indictment of the blueprint. Right. Of, of this whole roster. Yeah. But okay. Now we're starting, it's getting late and we're starting to get way too down. So I'm going to spin this in a positive <laughs> way, but like, that's where I think, I think people are going, I was trying to spin it in a positive way. I was like, you're adding back Beasley, you're adding back Russell. Like, no, that's, that's true. Just that's true. I just think like you have to. I think in general, because once you get like, hey, we might go to Florida, but then you just go to like, I don't know, Winnipeg. You're like, okay, that's – you know what I mean? It's like when you hear John Collins, but then it it becomes like, well, you know, they might trade Ed Davis for a second-round pick. You're going to be like (laughs) pissed off. But that's why I go back to like the bringing back Malik, bringing back DeAndre Russell. They're bringing in two talented guys after the deadline. It's really like acquiring – new players in a sense um but to spin it all back like, i think that's where the chris finch thing comes back into play it's like i want to see this team i want to see this team be fully healthy not tank i mean not like sitting guys out not cramping i want to see them play 25 games with their full roster under chris finch and that's like that's to me that's a whole new little season and then if they go seven and 18 then you kind of know, like you just said, the bl- this blueprint doesn't work. Like, I don't think if they were to get D'Angelo Russell back, and Malik will already be back, and they have 25 games left, and they do. They go 7-18. and 18, There's no way you wouldn't see, which what fans love, you wouldn't see massive changes again this summer. And I don't know exactly how, and that's a whole other hours of podcast, but if they were to, if they get everyone back and they finish the season really shitty, there's no way they run it back next year, regardless of what happens with the pick. And I don't know how, again, but I didn't know how they were going to do all the shit they did last year at the trade deadline, and they moved everyone but you, me, and Josh Akogi. <laughs> so, Kyle, okay, we are recording this at 11 p.m. Central time, which means when is the tra- – I should know exactly when the trade deadline. 3 p.m. Eastern on so, Thursday. So we are – let me do the math there. We are exactly 15 hours away, right? 12 – yeah. yeah, something like that. It's late. I haven't slept much. But yeah, you're right. We, when everyone wakes up, they'll have a good six, seven hours with Woj notifications to see what happens. And we, as of now, I mean, I'm on my phone. There's Nothing's happened across the league. So, so let me ask you. Let's, let's do this. Let's paint out three scenarios, right? Which I think are 
one of these three, three things are going to happen. They're not going to make a move, and the roster is going to stay the same and no, no changes, but D'Angelo and Malik will come back. That is option one. Option two is you're making deals on the margins. Uh, maybe you're the third team facilitating a deal kind of a la the D'Angelo Russell, Kevin Durant trade back two summers ago where they brought back like Shabazz Napier and Trevion Graham. Kind of seemingly irrelevant moves, but just small kind of tweaks to those guys. Or option three being they do bring in a John Collins, Aaron Gordon, Larry Nance, some player of of that ilk. Let's just go through those three things. Which one of the three do you want to start with? Uh, uh, let's do door number three. Let's do the. Let's go. Let's start with the big one. Okay. What What will that mean for the rest of this season? How will that shift the way that that, that impacts the players and then? you know, by proximity impacts this, this fan base and the organization and the way that it's, it's moving. Like if they were to acquire one of those guys, like if yes. they were to hit a home run, well, I mean, well, I mean, it might not necessarily be a home run because it's not a home run. If you get John Collins for five first round picks. Right, right, right. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I just make a big for, move. Yeah. Um, well, I think a, it would make them better because I think <laughs> as what, well, that's what a hell of a take by me, but like as someone who, publicly on Twitter, like, is a big Jaden McDaniels fan. Love what I saw tonight. But, like, tonight was one of those times, and I think you've been on this before I have, but, like, tonight was one of those nights where I thought, you know what, he might be a much better small forward than he might be a power forward because mm-hmm. I just don't know if he can rebound. Like, I, this idea, and I'm guilty of it too, but, like, this idea of, like, yeah, Jaden's really nice, but if he could just add about 20 to 25 pounds of muscle, it's like, well, yeah, dude, if I could grow a third leg. Like, that's... Like, guys like, I mean, Kevin Durant just could never do it. Like, Jaden kind of has that body where I don't think he can just be 220. Mm-hmm. Um, so he might have to play on the perimeter more. And if that's the case, you kind of see why Gers is, like, a crazy person to try to fix a power forward spot. Because it's probably, well, it's not probably, it's the worst in the league. And it might be the worst in NBA history. Like, they have no one to play next to Carl. And when they don't play Nas's next to him it's it's really a disaster and that's how you get Jalen Brunson getting 11 rebounds so I think if they were to not a home run but if they were to make a big splash to get one of those guys Nance Gordon Collins it would solidify the front court and give you hope for the future or you know what I mean like it would it would give you like okay that's that's the that's the front court for a while because all those guys would either be signed to new deals or on existing yeah. long-term deals um I've always I've texted you this all the time, but like, I've always hemmed and hawed where I don't think you can be the worst team in the league and the worst franchise in professional sports and continuously hemorrhage future first round picks. Um, so I'm still tentative against that. But as you've said before to me, like you have to you know to yeah, you have to pay something to get something. Um, so I'm kind of after watching it tonight, it's, I've almost flipped like. I would do what's necessary to land a big fish because I just don't think I don't what what you're you're the cap guy you're you're much smarter than I am. What is an alternative solution to like they can't start the tw- again obviously the season's lost. But they can't start the 2021-2022 season with like Jared Vanderbilt starting a power forward again. They just they cannot 100%. do it. I think the so so that's where I was going to go with it is it's if they make that move the first thing that comes to my mind is oh we have bumped up in the timeline. Right. Well, it's it's kind of like, it's go time in a weird way 
very weird way because your team will be 10 and 43. Right. And but but at the same time there's been the Rosa's era has been this delay, right? He has been intentionally delaying going for it. And and for good reason. In you know, in many ways sucking last year led to Anthony Edwards. Like that's that that has that has been the plan and I think I don't want to say we've gotten comfortable in that lull, but that lull has kind of become the reality, right? Where, where, where the team player things are transpiring on the floor, but you know that the vehicle is just kind of in neutral right now. It it is not being intentional about moving forward in in this time on the, the, the time where you're actually ready to go and and compete and treat yourself like a real NBA team. And if they trade for John Collins tomorrow. Now you have flipped the switch into like, not only is it go time, but you've kind of made your decision of this is our group. Right. And, and right now, I mean, what we did the first half of this podcast was we kind of did the, uh, well, you know, they've got some guys. We don't really know how they fit together. So we're going to kind of see and guess and check and do that. Well, if you, if you trade McDaniels plus an asset or, or whatever to go get Collins, now you you can't have that like you can't have that lull anymore. You, there's there's no more guess and check time. You are now committed to this group in a way that I don't feel I don't feel that the front office is remotely committed to this roster right now. But when they make that move, it does feel like they they will be. So that that's the first place my head goes. And then to what you said is they'll be good. They'll be better. You know, they'll be a lot better adding a John Collins to take 35 minutes a game away from the mismatch of Jared Vanderbilt, Nas Reed and Wancho, Wancho yeah. right? Yeah. Like that is a, like that is a major upgrade. That is a major upgrade on both sides of the ball. Plus John Collins's offensive skill set is, is of a dynamic role threat that the Timberwolves have none of. Not only is Vanderbilt not that, not only is Wancho not that, not only is Nas not that, Cat isn't that either. These guys don't have that. It would completely change the, the like fiber of the offense. And it would be it would be fascinating and it would be probably be more fun, but I don't want to like you know, just put my feet all the way into like, ooh, that, that water's warm. I, I like that because it also comes with the with sort of a harsh reality of like well, you, you, you had to pay to get that. You had to pay X, whether that's Beasley, Beasley plus first round picks, McDaniel's plus first round picks, Rubio plus multiple first round picks. You know, if that happens, it just it will really zap this into like okay, the Timberwolves are done being a G League team. I'm gonna. I I didn't think I would tell you this on the pod, but like I just wanted to ask your opinion quick. That Beasley and a pick for Collins thing. When they came out and it's leak season and all that stuff, you know what I mean. But like, when you heard that, and it might be dead now, especially by the time people. I'll, I'll just let me say that was not true. Okay, that's why I asked. That you. was not true, and but by not true, you mean that was not offered by the Hawk. Uh, Beasley and a first round pick for John Collins was was not an offer that the Atlanta Hawks made to the Timberwolves, and the Timberwolves turned down. That just set my boy up for a softball there. That's why I asked, though. And it was just I, interesting. I, and Kevin O'Connor is I mean, Kevin O'Connor is such a bigger deal 
than I am. I think Kevin O'Connor was told that. I think Kevin O'Connor was given misinformation. I don't know where he got that from, but from the people, of course, obviously I see that report and I start asking people. And the people who've talked to me said that was not true. That sounds like Beasley's value being pumped up. So I don't, what I actually take from that report is that it signals that the Timberwolves are willing to trade Malik Beasley because it seems to me like a pumping up of Malik's value, an attempt to pump up his value so as to trade him elsewhere. Because I think the reality of the situation is Atlanta does not want Malik Beasley. They don't have, they don't have interest in him at the cost, at the, the cost of John Collins. So, And like, and like you said with Britt, he's probably the – it's funny because like you said, like we're talking about how this team doesn't have enough shooting and stuff, but like – so he's the guy that fits the best. But on the same side, I think it was what you were talking about with Britt. Like he's probably the guy of like what you want to say the big four with him, Russell, and Towns. He's probably the guy that is the most worth looking into his value, right? Because okay. like in, in, in the grand schemes of life, he's kind of like playing with foul trouble. In terms of like, you know what I mean? Like he's has, he literally does have like one or two strikes. And if something were to come out, like well, he's on probation and stuff, but if something were to happen again, like all of a sudden you're looking at just losing a guy with no, no value. You know what I mean? Like turning, That's you the turn risk. the Rocco thing into like 80, 90 cents or whatever. And now you're just getting nothing. So that's the guy that would have to be flipped. But I, I just wanted to get your opinion on that because that, that was like, I think what a lot of fans, myself included, were like, oh, whoever well, my, turned myself it down. included. Yeah, yeah. Myself included. Because, because that, I mean, that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that the Timberwolves wouldn't trade Malik Beasley and a first round pick for John Collins. Right. I, I mean, and that was the thing. And I think that's and, some- and that, I, what I'll say too is that's not, if you ask other executives around the league, they would say that would be a no brainer deal for the Timberwolves to accept. And I think, and I think that's why, because you and I do talk a lot off the pod, and I just think it's important sometimes to bring those things up. Because like a lot of times when you talk about the wolves from a national la- landscape, they just get shit on a lot, which they should because they're not very good. But I think sometimes like you know we do talk to people and we know some stuff, and like it was just I think my dad asked me about that, and he was <laughs> like, "Why the hell would you turn down that trade?" And I was like, "I don't really know, but like let me do some digging." So oftentimes the things that don't make any sense aren't real, right? That, sometimes they are, but most of the time if it doesn't pass the sniff test. There's other factors at work. And I think specifically related to Malik Beasley, there's other factors at work. So, okay, I'm going to pivot then so we can get back to door number two. Door number two of – we're going to get – I, I have a little thing at the end. But door number two was we all wake up tomorrow. It's Thursday, and, like, they flip Ed Davis for a second-round pick or, like, they pair – I would say the three guys in my mind that seem the most available would be like Ed Davis, Jake Lehman, and like Jarrett Culver, and just I put Vanderbilt in there too. Okay, uh, um, just oh, for yeah. the look Dane just gave me. Uh, he seems like he knows something. Um, but no, like just flipping, flipping one or two of those guys for. I mean, you don't as of now technically you don't have a pick in this upcoming draft because you gave up your second round as well. Um, so yeah, just flipping, flipping one or two of those guys for some sort of asset. Um, what is your opinion? Like, a, how likely is that? And then B, is it worth it? Like, I, I, I like Jake Lehman, and I like Jake Lehman at the price. And sometimes I think we get so 
it's like so horny for draft picks that like we don't remember sometimes that like second round draft picks are. Sometimes they draft guys like me. So it's like it's not that you'd rather have the the sometimes the small little canoe than the mystery box. True. So how likely and does it matter? I think I think the ideal 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 situation is you're you're in a spot where if you're the Timberwolves, you need to attach to get something meaningful, you need to attach some sort of actual roster personnel to a pick to get something better back, right? And and the way we most typically look at that, you know, you go down the list, you go, all right, Cat could for sure do that, cross that off. Edwards could for sure do that, cross that off. Uh, D'Lo makes too much, that's too confusing of a situation, cross that off. And and you get to Beasley, and that's why yeah. that's why the conversation is all gone there. But the best option is to find a way to pile up the mismatch. I've said that multiple times, that word. Um, and, and, and you turn those guys into that value, right? Yeah. That, that, that positive value. And that's so much easier said than done. Because in a way, like Nas Reed has value. Jalen Noel has, has value. Jerk Culver even himself has, you know, has some value. Jordan McLaughlin, you, you know, guarantee his contract. There's ways where... They are like positive value guys, and if you could aggregate that all, you got now a decent sized sum of positive value. So, but the the thing is, what we do then with fake trades is we we start offering four for one trades. Well, that's not how it works. Classic that, fantasy football stuff. Exactly. Classic <laughs> four bench guys for like a wide receiver too. Okay. Yeah, and and so what it will look like if they're able to do that is a string of multiple moves is, you know, two guys here for that. And then, you know, and then it's maybe we're looking at our phone, Woj tweet. Okay, it's just DeLon Wright and Corey Joseph. We could continue. <laughs> <laughs> we were about ready to blow this pot up. Anyway. I was out of, I was out of roll. Um, no, but I, I think it's those, those small positives, those low wattage guys can be used as as pieces as facilitators in like a three team deal, you know, as the third team in a deal where you're turning that two of them into something else that is can then be, you know, paired up with another player in another deal. Like that that is what I think the Timberwolves front office would like to do most here at you know at the deadline and see what they can get out of that. Is that gonna be John Collins, Larry Nance, or Aaron Gordon for that little sum of positive? No. But there's a way to put those together that make this roster make a little bit more sense. And, and I think that's what they'll shoot for. But, you know, the other 29 teams are not, like, really eager to make that trade, right? They're going to call the Timberwolves when they need the third team. And the Timberwolves have set themselves up to be at this, this spot. This is, this is why they didn't bring Ronda Hellas Jefferson in. So they have... Three million dollars of space below the tax, so they can they can trade these guys and take back three more. They set themselves up all season to be a facilitator in these type of deals. That's what they want to be. So I'm thinking that is the most likely scenario there, and it's very hard to play like as we were just with Collins. It's we can we could we could play that out, and we know the team changes, and now the timeline has changed, and the team's better, and all that. It's very hard to say what door to does for the rest of the season. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't, it doesn't clearly lead to 
a John Collins back on your roster. I mean, it doesn't move the needle. Like, door two doesn't move the needle, but um, it, it, it might set you up a little better for the summer, which I think there will be some fireworks this summer regardless. Which I, like, I think that stuff's meaningful, though. Like, it, if a deal through this door two, it might seem boring, but, like, this Rosa's front office to find success in this is threading a needle. And and nailing some of those things are important to to free yourself up financially. Even even you know, can you do something to package one of those small value guys next to Juancho Hearn and Gomez? Can is somebody who likes is interested in Jared Culver's final two years of his rookie deal? Are they willing to take on Juancho Hearn and Gomez as penance for that? Like, I just this is a bad example, but like the Knicks have fifteen million dollars in cap space. If the Knicks were theoretically interested in, in Jared Culver as a, a wing for them on their team, would they just take Wancho with Culver? And that again, that seems like a small deal. Those are two of the worst players on the Timberwolves. But now all of a sudden you've deleted, I think, fourteen million dollars off of your books for next year for the Wolves. That's extremely meaningful. It it, it is. Now you could sign a player to the mid-level exception in the summer. Now you have $14 million of space underneath the luxury tax to be able to go make another move in that way. And it, it sounds small, but it could, be, it could be meaningful. And I think I'm just throwing out hypotheticals here, but those are the type of moves that I would see this front office liking to make. Maybe it's not Culver and Watcho, but as, a, as an example. Yeah, the Jerry Culver thing is tough because I have been loud about how I still believe in him. But over this last week since he's returned from the great toe injury of 2021, um, like... Which just follows up the great toe injury of 2020 that was Jake Lehman. Yeah, well, and it just follows up the weirdest injuries ever. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but like between the cramping thing and the great toe thing. But as I was looking back on when I was flying in today about the 2019 draft and like, obviously people are going to shit on Gersh because he like botched that like it just that didn't work right like the effort was still there like I, I still would sus- support that trade a hundred times like you're trying to move up you paid the Dario Sarge price but a lot of teams effed up that 2019 draft class um with all that said I confirmed to Dane tonight in the car ride home like it's not going to happen for Jared here it's just not like yeah. Dane's been on this before props to him like it just he, he can't do anything with the minutes he's getting because you can't like make much of an impact when you're getting three minute stints but also like he's getting three minute stints because he he needs like the markel fultz treatment like he just needs a fresh team where he can just go be bad um grow i mean if i was on another bad team i'd be excited to get jared culver because like oh yeah i saw that dude play for texas tech like we didn't pay much for him let's see what he can do so your idea of attaching like wancho with a guy like jared i think is really good like you said it clears some financial stuff for next year Maybe it gets them like a second round pick or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's just hard to put those exact values on it, but it gets you some. It gets you something. That was that, outside of watching the team get out rebounded by a guy who is my height tonight, which was like, oh, it made me feel good. Um, watching Jared Culver play basketball tonight was like my biggest takeaway. It's like, oh, he just. That's just not. It's not going to come here. And also, too, I think there's a good basketball player in there, but where in the hell is that guy going to ever get minutes? Where's he ever going to get more than? Like we're just talking about bringing back a starting backcourt that's going to play 70 combined minutes. Where is he going to play? He's not going to play. So he would be a guy that I would look to flip. Um, but as we so, but as we kind of just talked about those guys, let's transition into door number one, which was your first option. Like, what would be your overall just stance 
Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern if we find out they haven't done anything. Well, I think it'd be kind of what we were talking about at the at the top of the show, which was just like, okay, it, it it's it's testing. It's it's a willingness. It's it's signaling a willingness from the front office to say we really want to see yeah. what a roster yeah. with Cat, yeah. Ant, Beasley, and D'Lo looks like, and Ricky as the fifth one. You know, those are your five. Those would be your five best players. And while a lot of us, you know, question that and are like, oh, you know, how is this going to fit? This and that. Like it would making no move would be a pretty bold statement of them saying we disagree with you that this is a wonky fit. We think. We think that Malik is one of the best shooters in the entire NBA. And and one of the biggest problems for Edwards these past three games has been the fact that he doesn't have spacing or when he kicks it, he's kicking it to guys who are making it 25% of the time. We know if he kicks that to Malik, he's making that 40% of the time. And that totally changes the whole the whole dynamic of it. They think they believe in D'Angelo Russell more than anyone believes in D'Angelo Russell. And you can and I, hear that and think that's stupid, but like they they do, and, and we don't yet have proof that that is, for a fact, a bad opinion for them to make. We haven't seen Cat and D'Lo play. They're, the whole premise of their deal was that they would make that, you know, that they that the D'Lo-Cat thing would work. So they would just be buying into that further. They might just say, we're excited by what we've seen from Ant thus far, and we think just... We don't think that his progression has caused a problem. We think his progression thus far has created an opportunity. And it would just be, it would oddly be a really bold thing to do, to, to do nothing because you would be saying, we are cool with our top four being Cat, Ant, D'Lo, and Beasley, and we are willing to sign up for that, as Britt put it, usage war. That would be complicated. But do you... I've always wondered this. So, like, when Gers came in, he obviously had, like, a style, right? Or, like, when Ryan was coaching, like, he had this, like, kind of five-out offense with playing a lot of guys, smaller guys next to Carl, right? Like, Jake Lehman, Wancho, and stuff. Um, and I think he's getting – and I'm not, like, a defender. I'm just kind of stating what I think. He, he's gotten a lot of flack for – I think you said this one, too, but, like, maybe being more rigid or not being as flexible. Um, but now, fast forward, what, 18 months or whatever, now we're at this trade deadline – and the Wolves are attached to every, as you said, every athletic power forward under 28 years old. Um, so if they don't do anything, I'm setting this up for myself. If they don't do anything and they roll with their big four these rest of the year, and it sucks, do you believe that Gers is flexible enough to be like, okay, it didn't work, now we have to make another big splash, another big move? Or do you think, again, it kind of goes into my whole thing of like, trying to be the optimistic guy, but if it doesn't work with those four and the, the little pieces around them, there's no way they go into next season with that group. With that group. Yeah. No, I think it would just be that we want to we want to see those four play and we're okay with what that looks like with if Vanderbilt's the four or if Wancho's the four next to them. We're we're okay with testing out the last thirty games of the season like that. And then in the off season trading four a athletic power forward who's under 28 years yeah. old. Like, I, I don't think – I think if, if they don't trade for John Collins or Gordon or whoever here at the at the deadline, I don't think that means – that does signals that they don't want a power forward anymore. What that would signal is they go, the prices were ridiculous that they were asking for John Collins. And while I don't think all the reporting has been 
particularly out of Orlando, on what they're asking for their players has been accurate. But maybe it is. Maybe that is is the price. Is it would have costed the Robert Covington package plus to get Aaron Gordon, or or even more than that to get John Collins? If that's the case, and that's smart for Rosas to not take that, like. And that's Wait to fight another day. And that's something f- that we should be mentioning is like we're recording this late on Wednesday and we're going to record later this weekend. But like in between now and then, it sounds like maybe John Collins won't get tra- traded, but like uh, Aaron Gordon will. Like it'll be interesting to see what that price ends up being. You know what I mean? Because like if some team pays a dollar sure. sixty for it, as bad as we all love the NBA 2K model of, you know, transactions and building a roster, like – if some team pays a dollar sixty for Aaron Gordon, I think you kind of have to sit back. And even though you're mad that he's not going to be wearing double zero for a Timberwolves jersey, like you kind of got to be like, oh shit, yeah, like we we can't do that. We can't keep paying a dollar sixty, kind of like they did for D'Angelo Russell. Like mm-hmm. you can't keep paying a dollar sixty for stuff, even if when going- you when you pay a dollar sixty, it's got to be for your guy. Yeah, like if the time comes that your guy is made available and my guy in this situation. And I know this is very theoretical is Ben Simmons. I, I, on this team for Ben Simmons, I will, I think it would make a ton of sense if he was made available to overpay for him because I think that his impact would be profound to the degree that it would justify quote unquote overpaying. And to me, as much as I've grown to actually like Collins more, I've been a pretty big Gordon guy all along. Nance is kind of like, eh, to me. But, like, if it were me, those aren't the guys that I overpay for. And, I, and I'm, 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 I'm speaking of this, like, relatively. I'm not – obviously, Ben Simmons will cost a shitload more than it would yeah, cost right, right. But, like, paying that extra first-round pick, right? I, you know, I don't think Aaron Gordon is worth two first-round picks right now to trade for. I think if you were to over, if you were to do the dollars, we always talk about microtransactions and kind of building up those two, three cents to, to overpay for a guy. But I think the reason I wanted to set this up is because I think paying a dollar sixty for Aaron Gordon specifically is like carbon copy of like the D'Angelo Russell thing. And I actually still think if D'Angelo Russell was a stock, I'd buy it because I think it's so low that like. I mean, people, you know, fans, as which I am, but, like, people want to dump D'Angelo Russell for, like, a second-round pick. Like, I, I think he still has value, and I think it'll be interesting to see him under Chris Finch. And, too, like, without getting super optimistic, there's a chance that this team does nothing, and then they keep their top three pick, and then they have a world of possibilities this summer, and you and I have all the content that we can muster. But I just think, you know, if they, when these rumors were coming a couple weeks earlier, like, Aaron Gordon, like, there was... I don't know, fake trades or I was high on my mind, but like Jarrett Culver and something else and something else. Like, let's just give Orlando some pieces, you know, like maybe they'll take it. But if you got to pay, if you got to pay the the two firsts and a young player, I, there's no, as much as this team sucks and they need to get better and they need to start that timeline thing. Like the timeline has got to speed up no matter what at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, before Anthony Edwards 30, but I just don't think you can overpay for guys like him who, like you said, he's in the D'Angelo Russell tier of like, he could be good, but is he like, if you're going to pay for a Tesla, you got to get a Tesla. You can't get, you know, an Impala. Yeah, it's the, there's just like, there's an element to trading for D'Angelo Russell, which was like, he's theoretically an awesome fit next to Cat, right? That was 
that was the logic behind it. It's like trading for Aaron Gordon is he's theoretically a perfect fit at the four on this team. Well, D'Angelo Russell, outside of a blip of one year of his career, hasn't ever really been an extremely dynamic pick-and-roll player. And Aaron Gordon, similarly, his value as a super dynamic power forward, it's only been in fits and starts over the over the course of his career. Do I think D'Angelo Russell could be an awesome pick-and-roll player in the perfect situation? Yes. Do I think Aaron Gordon could be a pretty awesome power forward in the perfect situation? Yes. But is this the perfect situation for both of those guys? Like, maybe, but I, I don't know. And and that's why for me, I'm waiting until I feel a lot more confident that player X to acquire is 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 a perfect fit. And and that's what I'm willing to like empty the bank and it's again you mentioned this it's why i've always thought that that was coming in the 2021 off season i think that's the time where we've inched along the timeline far enough and it's like put up or shut up you know like can't just stay in neutral forever so and that and that's why i wanted to do your your doors in that order of like to to, to summarize like door number three seems pretty close like the big fish door we got 12 hours or 13 hours. Like, it sounds like Collins is going to stay. The Gordon price is ridiculous. And Larry Nance, like you said, are you going to pay a dollar fifty for, you know, a, not a used Tahoe? That's probably too mean. But, like, just not, not, not for a Tesla. Um, so then door number two seems the most realistic because I think those that front office, Sasha and all those guys work way too hard to just, like, close up shop at 2 o'clock and go to Jimmy John's. And then door number one is, like, I think if they don't do anything – despite them being the worst team in the league, I don't think I'm going to just give up yet or be super down. Oh, man, all three of the doors can be good. They yeah, really, that's, the, that, that's where my point is, yeah. And it's, it's all going to depend on what the context is. What's the, how much did you pay to get the big fish in door number one? That will determine what that is. If it ends up being that you, you know, down the line, we realize it was like the DeAndre Russell thing. You had to trade the 2021 only top three protective pick. That's not going to be great. Door number two could be nice if you aggregate, you know, a bunch of the low value, low wattage guys and you put them together. Like, that could be something. It could also kind of be a lot for nothing, you know? Yeah. Like, and so it could be, you know, it could go both ways that way too. And then, honestly, the door number one of the nothing is is weirdly the most interesting to me because it's oddly bold. And I think it is tomorrow's the first Thursday officially of spring i think if nothing happens tomorrow casual fans myself included like will be bummed because that's what you do but if nothing were to happen tomorrow i think it would signal to me that the summer is going to be 1.5 times crazier you know what i mean because i i think so i think if you leave tomorrow and you don't get any cool woge notifications i think i can i mean i'm saying this like also educated from hanging out with you and hanging out with other people like it would guarantee that this summer has a blockbuster because those guys, like, the Wolves suck, but, like, those guys know they suck. Like, Gers can't go into four years of his dream job just constantly sucking, right? Like, because he's, right. be, he's not going to be employed. And some of those guys have turned down other gigs to, like, stay here and see this thing through. So I think that's where I'm at with you, too. Like, I don't know if – I'm with you. It's brilliant. Like, all three options could – Door number three could solve the issue, right? Mm -hmm. Door number two could give you some more assets, and door number one could be like, okay, they didn't 
feel the external pressure that guys like me sometimes give them when I tweet at them, hey, you know, with the poking stick meme, like, hey, do something. <laughs> um, and it says, you know what, we weren't going to make another mistake. We're going to wait. We have they, that those guys have whiteboards on whiteboards of plan XXX, plan XXY. So um, I, 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 not, not to spin it. I mean, I love the trade deadline. I'm not trying to say if nothing happens, everyone should be fucking happy. But I think it does still open up a whole nother can of possibilities that um, would guarantee more fireworks down the road. And that's that's what we love. We love fireworks. Yeah. And I don't. I don't know which door is, you know, is, is more likely. I don't have enough intel on on that. And and quite frankly, I think it's something that's going to be determined here on Thursday. Like, I, I don't think they have this all hammered out right now. That That's at least, the, you know, the sense I have. So I'm fascinated to see which, which door they choose and, you know, what transpires from it. Because, like I've been saying, they're oddly the most interesting 10 and 43 team ever. Well, and, and to end it, I mean, whatever, like the whole first round pick thing with the top three protection, it just sits on their head because it, you know, it just, you can't double down now and make another mistake. Like, I think that's why I lean towards, I could see them doing nothing and just seeing how the lottery plays out. Like seeing if they have their top three pick, it's an, I mean, it's an grade a asset. And if they don't, then maybe the heat gets turned up even more where it's like, listen, we have to move Ant or Russell or something. That's why I just think that's going to prevent them from doing anything now, which is a bummer, but it, I think it's going to lead to them doing crazy shit this summer. I really do. Right. He's Kyle Tige, um, again, the editor-in-chief of CanisHoopus.com. You can find find him on Twitter, at Kyle Tige. Um, we are going to talk again on Sunday morning to kind <laughs> of <laughs> to do, a, I guess, a – Trade deadline post-mortem, and there will be, at that point, you know, Beasley, if he's still on the team, will have played, and, you know, we'll, we'll know which door they chose and, and kind of, you know, go from there and, and, and see where this, this team takes us. It's always – it remains it remains interesting. So, Kyle, thanks for doing this. Thanks, man. And uh, we'll talk to you on Sunday. Until then, I will be back – well, I'll probably be back tomorrow if something happens, but – my uh, for sure the next time you'll talk hear from me is uh, Friday after the Rockets game. Till then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah, green and hot, so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.